My Car Guru, episode 198. Well, I guess this is uh, turning out to be True Confessions Week for me. Yeah, this is the second day that I have laid out some confessions. Uh, yesterday was about my carbon footprint and how it was uh, kind of out of control this weekend. Went to a race and a lot of, lot of fossil fuels you know, being burned to push all those race cars around that track for 10 hours. And then I was pulling a trailer, you know, and I, I, I actually ended up getting about, I don't know, eight, nine miles to the gallon on my Ford F-150 power boost. So, you know, that was a lot of extra carbon, probably melted, a, I don't know, maybe a small iceberg somewhere. Maybe some polar bear is now looking for some place to sit. Uh, but that's just going to happen. And I'm not going to feel guilty about it. The other confession is I've got to I'm going to start working out again. You know, I was in that. I don't know if you if you are a new listener or not, but I had some stents put in my heart so that the blood could flow a little bit better. And and I was in a rehab program at, at our regional hospital, and it was wonderful. I mean, just getting that coaching and positive feedback. Lenny, you're doing good. You know, that positive feedback, and they take your blood pressure about 50 times while you're there and just make sure you're, you know, you don't leave until your heart rate comes down and put you on these different machines they think you can do, and you're trying to advance, you know, to get better, and and I did. Well, my last session was Monday a week ago, and I haven't done anything yet since then. So that's my other confession. I've got to get with it. So I'm trying to decide whether I'm going to join some kind of a health club which I really don't want to do. I don't want to go in there and watch other people stand in front of mirrors and look at themselves. That does not sound appealing. Maybe I should just ignore them and do my own thing, which I will do. I'll get on the treadmill and watch the Today Show, and maybe that will be enough. But I just have to do 30 minutes a day. I mean, that's what you should be doing, right? Do you do that? Do you walk? Do you get your heart rate up about 120 beats a minute for 30 minutes a day? That's what my brother says you need to be doing. He's a retired cardiologist. And uh, so I'm going to do it. After I do this radio show, I'm going to leave, and I'm going to go and either ride my bicycle or I'm going to get on the treadmill. I don't like the treadmill. I'd rather walk in nature and uh, with my dog beside me, but I tend to walk too slowly and enjoy what I'm, you know, the scenery. I get involved in the scenery, and I slow down, and I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So... Anyway, those are two confessions in one week, so there you go. There is some good news out there on the automotive front. Everything is not going to EV, which couldn't make me happier. You know, not much is really going to EV anyway. If you just read the automotive press and automotive news, you would think that the whole world, everybody's driving EVs. They're not. You know, only about 5% of Ewans out there are driving EVs, and it's going to be a slow rollout, but, you know, you would think – since the media is just in love with EVs, that this that everybody's doing it, but Ford, um, Chevrolet, and who else? Ram are saying, "Well, that's fine. We're going to build EVs. Uh, we're going to build them. You know, as long as they make sense and we can make money doing it. We're not going to do it just so that you know the Democrats can feel happy. Uh, we are going to do it if it makes financial sense. And one area that it doesn't make any financial sense." is that is when it comes to full-size trucks and uh, heavy-duty trucks. So thinking Ford, you know, would be the F-250 and higher. Any type of work trucks, 
anything that's going to be doing a lot of work, pulling a lot of weight, like with a trailer, uh, maybe pulling a bulldozer or uh, a big camp or big fifth wheel camp or something like that. Folks, electric does not work for that, and it probably never will. So we're still going to have diesel engines and gasoline engines. May have some hybrids and stuff like that, which will, you know, help some. But uh, according to the CEO of Ford Motor Company, he says that if you're pulling 10,000 pounds, an electric truck is not the right solution. And 95% of our customers tow more than 10,000 pounds. That's uh, the CEO of Ford, Jim Farley, who happens to be the first cousin of Chris Farley, who used to be on Saturday Night Live. You would think that that would disqualify him, you know, for being... Did you see the movie Tommy Boy? Yeah, that was Chris Farley. And his cousin is running the Ford Motor Company. So I'm not too concerned, though. He seems to have his head on straight. So let's see, what else did he say? Well, he told the media at Churchill Downs Horse Track, for some reason, they were revealing the redesigned Super Duty line there, and they're actually built there in Louisville, or Louisville, as some of you may say. Uh, In 2023, Ford is rolling out the all-new gasoline and diesel engines for the new 2023 Super Duty. Uh, General Motors is giving the 2024 Chevrolet Silverado HD a much stronger diesel engine. And the 2023 Ram HD is gaining a Rebel Performance variant. I don't see them backing off. You know, even California, or even as California is planning to ban gasoline-powered vehicle sales after 2035. It is making an exception for heavy-duty pickup trucks. So that's that was wise. But, you know, the guy. there's a guy that, that basically controls Toyota. You know what his last name is? Toyota. Yeah, it's instead of a Toyota with a T, it's a Toyo, Toyota with a D. And uh, he says... Um, He's a pretty sharp guy. His company is moderately successful. And he's saying that, nah, not going to happen. 2035 is not going to happen. The vehicles won't be there. The technology won't be there. The infrastructure won't be there. So you think that because it's Toyota that, you know, Gavin Newsom and um, the people up in New York and the big states, you know, with all the population, do you think they'll – Say well, oh, Toyota says they can't make. Okay, we'll back up. We'll back up on the rule. You know, if it was General Motors or Ford or uh, Chrysler, Stellantis—that's what Chrysler's called now. Stellantis saying it, then we would probably say, "Nah, you guys go ahead. and You're going to have to meet the standard." But since it's Toyota, maybe if it was Honda, you know, because those libs—they really love Hondas and Toyotas. Um, you well, know, some of us conservatives do too. So that's not really fair. So anyway, I'm going to take my first break, and I'll be back here in a second. You know, I did kind of reveal somewhat of a political stance there at the very end of that. But, you know, it shouldn't we all just get along? We can argue and fuss and disagree with each other, but, you know, somewhere, some sometimes we'll go one way and sometimes we'll go another way, and sometimes we'll meet just right in the middle. Um, there's too much acrimony going on and the dialogue is not healthy and we need to fix that but i don't know when it's going to happen i'm just going to sell cars and have a 
my car guru, be a guru, be the best guru that I can be. Uh, take care of the people who do call. You know, you can contact me and I can help you with just about any vehicle, make, model, any kind of issue that you're having. I've got connections. Oh, baby, do I have connections. And I can make phone calls and get answers. You know, I've had people call me that are, uh, you know, driving a, a completely different make of vehicle than I sell. I've sold them all, and uh, they're having some type of a mechanical issue. I don't have the answer to it. But I make a few phone calls, get back with them, and they say, okay, well, I'll try that. And then the problem gets solved. I had this one guy that was driving a Mitsubishi Montero, and he had purchased it, I don't know, not for me, from somebody else. I was a Mitsubishi dealer at the time. And he called me. He'd been listening to my radio show, and he said, uh, well, I'm going to give you a tryout, Lenny. I've got a Mitsubishi Montero, and the Mitsubishi dealer is telling me that the engine is blown, and I need a new engine. Um, or And it's going to cost this much, and I don't want to put that much money in that vehicle. I mean, it's got a lot of miles on it. What should I do? Well, what would you do? I mean, would you evaluate, um, like, how much longer you would intend to keep that vehicle and operate it? Um, could you rationalize, you know, if it's a vehicle with 100,000 miles on it and it's going to cost $7,000 to put a new engine in it? Well, it really wasn't a new engine. It was a remanufactured engine. Um, is that something you would do? Well, most people would say, number one, I can't come up with $7,000. Number two, I don't know. If I put a brand-new engine in a 100,000-mile vehicle, everything else still has 100,000 miles on it, and that's pretty good logic. And I said, well, do you owe anything on the vehicle? He said, no. I said, what do you think it's worth? Of course, most people don't have an idea. This guy did. He'd done a little research, and it was going to actually be worth – it's actually worth less than what the engine was going to cost. And so I said, let me make a few phone calls. So I made a few phone calls to a couple salvage yards, and I found out – uh, what they would give for his vehicle as is with a blown motor. And, you know, he ended up getting almost $7,000 for his vehicle, um, more than he thought it was worth. So you just don't know. I mean, and if you don't know who, who to call, then that's why you need to know a guru or somebody that is in the car business that you know and trust and feel comfortable with. So, you know, if you do need to get in touch with me, I you know, I'll give you my cell phone number, 423-552-2020. You can text me. That's the best way. And just, you know, give me a heads up of what you're dealing with, and then I'll I'll call you, and we'll talk about it, and we'll see if we can come up with a solution. You know, there's uh, – I, I get a lot of people lately uh, that have called and say they're wanting to buy this or, or that, and the dealer's wanting to charge them over MSRP for the vehicle. And I say, you know, that's just where we are right now, depending on the make. A lot of dealers are so short on inventory, they're going to charge you over MSRP to buy a vehicle. And that's just the way it is. You know, that's why they call it su manufacturer's suggested retail price. It's not an order. It's a suggestion. And in my total career of, that I've been in the car business, and that's about 44 years full-time, um, there have been some vehicles that commanded MSRP. A few in that period of time, of course, I was a Chevrolet dealer most of that time. There might have been a limited edition Corvette or, let's say, I really can't think of anything else. You know, originally when I was a Mazda dealer back in 77, well, that's when we became a dealer. 
Uh, the RX-7 sold for MSRP for about five or six years after they came out with it. And I know Datsun 280Zs and 240Zs and cars like that, they're going to bring MSRP. But back then, you know, MSRP was 14000 <laughs> You know, it's not like it, <clears throat> not like it is today where you, you know, we've got vehicles that, well, we had a GT500 track pack on the showroom floor the other day at my Ford store, and, and MSRP was 104 so I did a little research on it, and I've been getting a lot of emails from from uh, wholesalers, people out there that buy vehicles and then turn around and sell them to other dealers. And they were offering um, $20,000 over window sticker for the GT500 track pack. Now, if somebody comes into my dealership and wants to buy that thing, and there's just a regular customer comes in and says, well, I want to pay you over MSRP. I never paid over MSRP for anything. You should never charge anybody over MSRP. Really? So let me just ask you this. If you had, um, if all of a sudden um, rabbit figurines became extremely valuable and you had about 15 of them in your yard, you know, those ceramic things, and you paid about $5 a piece and all of a sudden somebody knocked on your door and said, will you take $25 a piece for those rabbit figurines? What would you do? Say, no. You'd probably sell them. And go buy you some turtles or something. I mean, it, it's there's no problem with that. There's no law against it. Um, if you have something that all of a sudden becomes rare, become you know in high demand. Uh, you know, another example is the Ford GT. And remember, I don't know if you remember this, but did you watch the movie um, with Matt Damon and all those people? It was Ford versus Ferrari? Okay, so. Um, that Ford GT that they were racing. They, Ford reproduced that vehicle in 2000, I think it was 2004, 2005, and 2006. Well, I had one at my Ford dealership. We actually ended up buying it from a Porsche dealership. Uh, a gentleman, a local gentleman had purchased it, put very few miles on it, traded it for a Porsche, and so the Porsche dealer called us and said, would you like to have this Ford GT? And we said, absolutely. So we got the Ford GT. And... Um, we drove it around for a while and enjoyed it and ended up selling it for a little bit of profit. And I think the MSRP was 140000 You know what that thing's worth today? They're bringing in excess of $450,000. Now, that's over MSRP. Is that bad? No. That's just what happens. You know, you've got things in your house that are worth, well, maybe not in your house, but maybe, you know, if you bought guns or something like that that's rare, uh, it may be worth more than what you paid for it. So that's what's going on in the retail car business right now. And so are there any deals out there? Yeah, I think there are some deals. Uh, nothing really new that's going to be under MSRP unless it's very undesirable. I went to the auction uh, last week, last Tuesday, and bought some vehicles. And I was paying pretty much close to retail for the vehicles. And, and you know, you cannot trust book values right now. We have some customers go online Go to kbb.com or jdpower.com and check out values, maybe Edmonds. And you cannot trust that information. It is not reliable. It is, uh, you know, maybe you can use it as, I'll tell you what, where it is reliable. The banks use that information on loan and money. That's about the only place that it really matters. Now, you don't want to pay way outside of retail for something unless you just really want it. But... You know, you're going to pay over the retail book value. Does that mean you pay too much? Not to me. If you really want it, you really like it, drives good, 
something that you've always wanted, then, you know, and if you're going to keep it and drive it for five, six, seven years, what does it matter? You know, if you pay, you know, a couple thousand dollars more for something, as long as you, it, it meets your needs and you like it, you know, don't let somebody beat you up over paying over retail for it because that's just where we are right now. Now, it hasn't, like I say, I was going to say in my career, that's never really happened before. We were always trying to get at least invoice price, maybe a couple hundred dollars over invoice, which is the original price that we paid minus our holdback, which is typically about five, or I'm sorry, about 3% on a uh, domestic vehicle like a Chevrolet, a Ford, a Stellantis, um, or one and a half percent on an import. Now, they've changed the whole holdback structure now. Ford didn't pay in as much as they used to. They just keep taking things away, and it forces dealers who are trying to survive. You know, they have this expense structure that they built. All these fancy buildings that the manufacturer forced them to build if they wanted to maintain their franchise. And there's all the expenses that, that they create, sending us tens of thousands of dollars worth of tools that we will never use, but we have to pay for because... We're a Ford dealer. So we've got these ongoing expenses, electricity bills going up. You know, people want to get paid more. So your overall overhead continues to climb. And so, you know, we have got to make up those margins some way. That's why you see that was original justification for dock fees. You know, what is a dock fee? You know, documentary fee. It, it, that's what it is. I mean, that's what it was called. We called it dock fee so long that people started thinking, "What do you have a boat dock or something that you're paying? No, that is a processing fee. Well, why should I have to pay a processing fee? Well, because that's, we charge it. Well, I don't want to pay that. Well, everybody has to pay. According to the state of Tennessee, if we can't let somebody out of that or we can't charge anybody that, you have to be consistent. That's what the Motor Vehicle Commission said. So we started charging a processing fee. I think our original processing fee was like $16.50. And we had people just fussing about it, you know, back in the old days. And today, I mean, most dealers are charging anywhere from, I don't know, three or $400 to, I know, Knoxville area dealers. Some, some of them are up there around 1000 Big cities, $14.95 for a processing fee. And what is it? It's just extra profit is what it is. It just makes up for lost margins. And granted, right now, there aren't a lot of lost margins. We're making full margins now, but we're selling much fewer vehicles than what we're used to. And and we have to stay in business. So I'm a dealer, and I'm telling you that because, you know, most other dealers aren't going to tell you that. Um, I've got my guru hat on right now, and so you just have to be prepared when you walk in. So what can you get if you can't get a discount, what can you get? Well, you get what sometimes you will get what you ask for, sometimes not. Um, you know, you can ask for um, free maintenance is something that I would ask for. So, okay, I really don't want to pay MSRP, but could you at least give me a year or two worth of free maintenance? If you'll do that, then I'll do the deal. They'll probably do that. Um, you know, maybe discount. Say, you know, I'd like to buy an extended warranty, but you guys are wanting $2,800. Could you do it for maybe a, a 2000 Could you do the extended warranty? You know, they might do that. Um, free gas. I mean, they should give you a free tank of gas anyway. Maybe you could ask for, uh, for some gas card money or something like that where they could pay for your next three or four fill-ups. That's something, right? And then if you want accessories, you know, the average 
uh, truck buyer spends about $1,500. Can you believe that? On accessories, that, that could be a spray-in bed liner, a bed cover, running boards, fog lights. Um, I don't know what else they would put on a truck. You know, so many different things, wheels and tires and stuff like that. You could ask for some savings on those. Maybe would you at least sell me the the uh, spray-in bed liner or the uh, the cover, the bed cover for your dealer cost? Would you do that? They'll probably do it. So they just don't want to discount the vehicle. So you know, just a few things you can ask for that you may not get if you don't ask for it. So I'll be back in just a minute. So I went to Chick-fil-A the other day. And, you know, they have really good service, don't you think? It's it's not as good as Pals, but it's close. And so I went to Chick-fil-A and uh, ordered, what was it? I ordered a salad. It was a Cobb salad. And I asked for balsamic uh, dressing. And so I get in my parking place, and I didn't want to go in. I was going to listen to the radio and stuff. So I get all set up, pull it on out, pull out the dressing, getting ready to put it on my salad. It's Italian, and it's really salty, and I don't like it. So what do I have to do? Well, shoot. You know, I back up, I pull around, go back through the drive-thru, and it was empty. Otherwise, I would have walked inside. Go through back through the drive-thru. I said, you gave me um, the wrong dressing. She said, oh, I'm sorry. And so when I got up, they gave me the new dressing, and the guy handed me two free uh cards for free sandwiches he gave me something extra that i didn't ask for and because of my inconvenience you know sometimes businesses will do that uh and they should you know they should apologize for screwing up they should do something extra for you uh, we put on a set of tires for a customer the other day and but i'm glad i saw it before they actually came and picked it up because they had put in a new set of tires and the wheels were nasty and I said, why didn't you wash these wheels and tires for this customer? They just bought new tires from us. Well, no, didn't think about it. You know, it's those little things that matter. If we And we took it back, washed the tires. It looked so much better, you know, when they came and picked up their car. These are little things that, that businesses kind of take for granted and don't do that can really make a difference and can keep a customer from defecting. And that's what we want. You know, we don't want to overcharge for cars. Um, we don't want to, you know, make somebody feel like we're, you know, gigging them for some reason or another, taking advantage of them. We, you know, we we do need to make a little bit more because of the, or all dealers do because of the shortages that we have, but not not a ridiculous excessive amount. So anyway, that's that's my story, and I'm sticking with it. I will see you tomorrow. Uh, call me if you need me four two three five five two twenty twenty, or send me an email to Lenny L E N N I E Lawson twenty twenty at gmail dot com, and we'll see you tomorrow.